This podcast is being sponsored by Sarah Minardi from Saunders Real Estate in the Hamptons. Hello, Screen Thought Lovers. It's Christine Mercer here. Say hello to my new friend, Beth Levison. Beth, I'm so glad you're here. I'm super glad to be here. Now, Beth and I met because we sat on a panel together and we didn't agree on everything, but we just knew we needed to connect afterward. We spoke the next day. I'm sure we'll be lifelong best friends. I don't even know how many children you have, let alone their names, but we just were very simpatico. And I want to say that right out of the gate. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I know you're really busy. Yeah, no, I'm super happy to be here. And I have two boys named Ben and Gabe. Okay, and I have a daughter, Sarah, the fabulous Sarah. So Beth's latest documentary, not to be confused with her first documentary, she's got a number of things under her belt. And if we have time at the end, I'd like to go over one of them. But it's Storm Lake, and it's basically taking the festival uh, circuit by storm. Please excuse my lazy man's pun on that one, okay? But I wanted to start, before I even tell anybody what it's about, I have to start with, do you remember Queen of Versailles? Yes. Okay. Now, do you remember when they started filming Queen of Versailles, what they were doing is just going to be doing a documentary on this woman and her billionaire husband who were going to be building Versailles. And that's how the documentary started. And then as time passed and the crash of 2008 took place, all of a sudden, what was going to be a documentary that I thought would be lost in obscurity became really relevant because of what was happening in the present times. And in fact, I think it went to the Academy Awards, didn't it? I think it did. And coincidentally, I also think that Jerry Reishis shot on that. Really? Uh, funny that you would. Yes. I didn't even know that. Right. Yeah, he works with that. Lauren. Yeah. Okay, so once Beth and I became BFFs, um, she sent me the documentary that really wasn't out on the circuit yet. And the name of her documentary, and you may have already heard it already, is called Storm Lake. Now, Storm Lake is a city in Buena Vista County in Iowa. Okay, I went to the University of Nebraska. I can tell you that there are a lot of cities around that. But what's interesting about this is the population in the 2020 census was 11,269, which was really an increase from 10,000 in the 2000 census. So, But it's the county seat that what's interesting about it is it has a university and it also is the home of many an immigrant who has come to work the farms, et cetera, there. So you have this diverse political group of people in Storm Lake. And so you enter in, and before we get to what happened as you were filming this documentary, can you tell me what made you want to do this? Because it was before the politics of it all took over, before your protagonist wins a Pulitzer Prize. So was it before? Was it? Am I right on that? No, but I can explain all that. Okay. So just walk us through, A, what made you go after this story? You went after it before it was the story that it is now, for sure. Okay. And how did it transform itself into what it became? Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of documentaries, right? Like none of us can predict the future. So you have to have a good gut instinct and then you sort of go from there. And so I teach at the School of Visual Arts. I teach producing and Jerry Reishas teaches cinematography. And Jerry and I had always wanted to work together. I admired his work. He admired mine. And we felt like we had a sort of personal connection. So maybe it would be fun to work together. 
So in 2017, the Pulitzer Prize uh, winners were announced and Jerry is a real news junkie and reads the, you know, about the winners every year. And he noticed that it said small town Iowa newspaper wins Pulitzer. Very small town Iowa. Very small town in Iowa. And Jerry is from Iowa. So he was like, huh, that is really interesting. Later that summer, he was going home to visit his parents who still live on the hog farm that Jerry was raised on. And he thought, you know, actually, I want to look up this guy and just go meet him and see who he is. And maybe I'll bring my camera and tag around with him for an afternoon. So Jerry did reach out, did tag around with Art um, for a half a day. And I think was just really taken with Art and Storm Lake and just everything that he saw. And oh, that- by the way, she's referring to Art Cullen and his family. They deliver the news to this Iowa farming community through their bi-weekly paper, the Storm Lake Times. And all of a sudden, hell or, you know, in the form of uh, the great political divide or a pandemic, the structure to be able to actually produce that. In other words, advertising dollars die. Everything happens. So... Here he is doing this paper. What is three generations, right? It was actually founded by his brother. So one generation is what, 20 something years, and it's still in progress. But you, so you arrive after they win the Pulitzer. So what did he actually win the Pulitzer for? What kind of coverage did he win it for? It's really complicated and it's really hard to explain. But basically, Art identified that big ag was paying for and covering up a whole waste that was going into the water system and the Raccoon River and Iowa waterways. And they identified that there was a corporate graft basically taking place. It's very, it's extremely complicated. It's actually why it's not in the film because it's really too complicated. So basically... My directing partner, Jerry, learned of art. Jerry is from Northwest Iowa. He grew up on a hog farm. He found out that uh, this journalist in Northwest Iowa had won a Pulitzer and was intrigued by that. And so Jerry approached me. And when I read an editorial of arts in the New York Times called In My Town, We Need Immigrants, and it made me cry it it blew me away. And I thought, wow, if 800 words can have this kind of effect on me, I think that there might be a movie here. And that's how Jerry and I teamed up on this. And so we were really teamed up before even going out to Storm Lake. And what we found there was just really more than we could have ever imagined. But here's the thing, and people are going to be reading about this because you put yourself into the film festival circuit. You're going to be at the Hampton Film Festival this weekend, and that's one of the reasons, by the way, which our sponsor, thank you very much, Sarah Minardi from Saunders Real Estate, who has sponsored this particular podcast. It, you're playing at Guild Hall. You're playing Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Everyone is going to go see this because... The premise of it, and the thing I really want to talk about, I'm not going to talk about the film as much as the point that's made in it, which is that in the great political divide that this country's in, poor Art was stuck in the middle. He's clearly on the left side, sitting on the right side, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) on his left side. 
And he lost a lot of his advertising and it really made the paper start to struggle. And the premise that you bring out so beautifully is if you don't have small town papers, then you're not going to be able to change America or be America because all politics is local is a, is a great line from, you know, from the Obama campaign, which I worked on. I did the social media. Yeah. And yeah, all politics is local. And the thing that slapped me across the face so many times as I was watching this and was so important to me was, oh, my goodness, all is not lost no matter which side of the divide you sit on as long as you have the local paper that's talking about what's happening, et cetera. So can you just speak to that a little bit? And is the film that's now been out, what, three months now, right? Have you been out about three months maybe? We came out in June. Okay. Is it going to help him to be able to keep this? Is this family newspaper going to survive? It's not answered. We don't know that when the film closes. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean... Art said in the movie, and the motto of the newspaper is, if it didn't happen in Buena Vista County, it didn't happen. And we took that as the world of our movie. If it didn't happen in Buena Vista County, it shouldn't be in the movie. (laughs) And Art also believes deeply in exactly what you just said, that all politics are local. And so that really, you know, we really wanted with the film to show the value of a local newspaper and what it brings to a place, how it puts everybody on the same page, and how people come to know their neighbors and who they are through a newspaper in a way that they might not otherwise. In social media, we are all in our bubbles, you know, and yet a local newspaper is sort of the public square where we can all come together in some way. So this was a learning process in the making of the film. We were really inspired by this idea. How could we show that? And what's really interesting is that I think because we were effective in maybe showing the role of the Collins in their community, the effectiveness of the newspaper, the film is helping the Collins and the paper now. And so that's really just been amazing to see. At the very end of our filming, Art, along with some other local newspapers, they formed the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation. And what's just been great is that since the movie, the Western Iowa Journalism Foundation really is receiving significant donations so that Art's paper is going to survive, the Stromic Times is going to survive, and three other papers in Western Iowa who are all serving their communities, including La Prensa, which is a Spanish language newspaper in Iowa that is meeting the needs of that specific community. So that's the other thing about local news. There's all different kinds of local news meeting the needs of different communities. You may have a Spanish language newspaper. You may have a historically Black-owned newspaper. And these are all really important for communities and you know, for our larger functioning democracy. What you just said is so critical to two things. One is, I think I should leave a documentary with a plan of action. If a documentary moves me to the point of action, then I feel like that's almost the point. And one of the things after seeing this that I think people are going to walk away with is, I better start supporting my local newspaper again. Because with social media, which you just mentioned, 
People have said, I don't have to subscribe to my local paper because I get everything online. And a lot of the local papers, I will say, have made that transition okay. But in general, it's not the same thing. So the call to action in this film, everyone, after you've seen it and you must see it, is to say, I am going to talk to my neighbor, I'm going to talk to my child, I'm going to talk to everybody in my life and say, you want to help in politics? Then support your local newspaper. So I've just come off of 12 days of being on the road with art. She was really on the road. I mean, we're talking about, I'm like, wow, oh, oh, wait, oh, now you're there. Oh, oh, now she's there. Uh, How many festivals have you done in the last three weeks? Well, what we really did, we've done, I can't even, to be honest, count the number of festivals that we've done in the last three weeks, but we did a 12-city theatrical run that we launched in Iowa. And then we also went to Detroit, Chicago, and Minneapolis. And Tom, Art's son, the younger reporter in the film, he took the film to Milwaukee and Columbia, Missouri. You could run for office now in Iowa because you could be the caucuses. You've been everywhere now. They all know you could run for president in 2024 on any ticket you want. I'm just right. saying. I have no, thankfully, I have, no, <laughs> I have no interest, but thank you for the vote no of confidence. No problem. But, um, you know, what Art said more than once in our after screening talkbacks was freedom isn't free. And I think that he hopes that we've all come to learn that or that we will learn that sooner rather than later. And it's a really important phrase for this moment in time. And what you've said is exactly right. Our hope is that watching this film, that viewers will rethink and reevaluate what is their relationship to local news Are they supporting their local newspaper? Are they supporting their local radio station? Are they supporting their local public television station? Just places where they're getting credible news. And are you supporting the local politics? Meaning, do you know who you're voting for or not just voting a straight ticket? And that to me, you know, look, if that was the point, I didn't go to a theater. So I didn't hear everybody clapping around me or the oohs or the ahs or anything else. I was in my home because you gave me a pre-screening. And I walked away with that takeaway. I think it's such an important thing around that. But I have a couple of questions that I needed to ask now that I have an inside track. Ready? Yeah. Your editing is excellent. And Thank you. Yeah, which, by the way, in many documentaries, especially full-length documentaries, it's sort of like, okay, I, I got it. I got it. You know, you had me at hello, and I got it. And sometimes I think that documentarians sort of don't trust their audience. So Mm. they almost over tell the story. Mm. And this is a long film, but I didn't find myself feeling that way. I have to know it's, I think it's an hour and what, 40 minutes, maybe. How long is it? It's actually 85. So it's under 90, which is a golden rule of mine. I don't think any documentary film should be longer than 90 minutes. Okay. How many hours did you have to edit down? We had about 300. But I want to acknowledge this. You know, the thing with documentary editing is it's not just winnowing down 300 hours of material into 85 minutes. It really is stitching together and writing a narrative. And I really want to acknowledge a key partner in that, who was Rachel Schumann, our extraordinary editor, who just brought so much to the film. I think the film also really moves beautifully because of the score by by Andrew Bird, 
I think that the music also had a key role, but there's so much storytelling finesse. And we worked really, really hard at that. And Rachel was an incredible partner. Well, you did a great job. Yeah. And I think it was one of the challenges because the story is over in five minutes. So one of the challenges to make sure that I'm still with you through the whole thing and I was. And so I congratulate you on that. Now, what's your goal here? How many festivals will you be playing? And is your goal to go all the way with this? What is your hope here? And be honest. It's just us girls here. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I think I'm so taken aback by the reception of the film and the reception the film continues to have. So, you know, we sold out in Iowa City and Des Moines in the tiny town of Algona, which has fewer than 10,000 people. And we sold out Minneapolis and the conversations that we had to follow were so dynamic. And we won an award the day before yesterday at the Freak Film Festival. So the goal is for the film to reach as many people as possible, which is why we chose a public television broadcast. We know that public television reaches people in the way that nothing else does, even in the streaming age. It also reaches the people who want to learn to take action. Give me a task to do. People who watch public television are happy to do a task at the end of anything. So Yeah, yeah. but it also has the highest saturation in rural America of anybody. So, And this is a film about an independent local newspaper. We felt like... It isn't necessarily a film for a more commercial streamer. It's not about Iowa. It's about local news, you know. Yeah. It could could take place anywhere, which is interesting because you've listed all these places in Iowa that you sold out. It's a long way from the towns of Iowa, which I know because I went to the University of Nebraska. It's a long way from the towns of Iowa to the Hamptons. And you're going to sell out there too. So, yeah. So wrapping that all up, I urge everyone to find the film, find a way to take it. We'll be posting it on Screen Thoughts Everywhere. So once it's available in certain places, we'll be able to shoot that out to everybody so you can hear it. And now I want to talk a little bit because... You also, you know, you're an Emmy and Peabody Award winning independent producer and the, but Women in Blue. Okay. Women in Blue. And we don't have much time. We're out of time actually, but I don't care. Women in Blue is about gender, race, and violence in America through the eyes of female police officers with the Minneapolis Police Department. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. It's a work in progress. I need to see this film. Is it going to come out? Where are we at with this? Oh, so Women in Blue is done. Women in Blue is completed, finished. That was on public television last February. So it's actually done. But talk about a film that changed course. So when we started working on Storm Lake, we had no idea. We knew we were filming in a meatpacking town. Of course, none of us knew that COVID was coming. We had no idea that Storm Lake would become the epicenter of COVID in the United States, one of the top 10 hotspots. So that really sort of affected the entire making of the film and the shaping of the narrative. Once we knew we were going there, that affected the whole film. Sure. Women in Blue was a whole other story. We had been making that film for three years. We premiered the film at Tribeca. So, or we were supposed to premiere the film at Tribeca. And then we were having our Midwest premiere at the Minneapolis St. Paul Film Festival. And we screened in Minneapolis 
and 36 hours later, George Floyd was killed. Wow. And so that, by the way, maybe I know everybody listening is going to go, well, what's she doing next? Because we want to know where it's going to explode next. (laughs) But anyway. Yes, I would like to avoid uh, (laughs) future explosions. You know, hey, Beth, who brings drama wherever she takes. I started out in children's programming. I'd like to just go back (laughs) to that a little bit. And good night, moon. But um, (laughs) there you go. But anyway, what ended up happening was we had to take that film back into the edit room after we had fully completed the film and reshape it. So that film is now available on iTunes and it is streaming through PBS and I should know off the top of my head everywhere that it is, but I don't know everywhere. Okay. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but now that I know where to see it, I hope you'll come back and talk with me again about yeah. it. I've had a chance to review it and take a look at it. But Beth, again, I'm so glad you're my best friend now. And um, maybe one day we'll meet actually. <laughs> but congratulations on this. Best of luck. Thank you. Where you're going. And also you can read uh, Dan Retiner, local news person in the Hamptons. He did a uh, review of the film, so you might want to take a look at that as well. Obviously, very interested in it because he is the Hamptons art, you know. <laughs> what art is to Iowa, Dan Rutina is to the Hamptons. So. And David Rattray is moderating the Q&A following oh, his screening yeah. on Wednesdays. Uh-huh. So that's the East Hampton star. So yeah, there will be a native connection there. And the East Hampton star, by the way, I mean, I knew his mother very well, and I've written for the East Hampton star. I've reviewed books for them. Boy, have they been steadfast in delivering exceptional news every single week for two generations, you know, with their, and they've got, you know, on Main Street is where their newspaper is. You know, I know you'll have a chance to go and stop in there. It's just, just like it would have been in the fifties. So David's amazing. And he took it over from his mother and she took it over from his father. And, you know, there you go. And I guess I just want to say in making the film, there would be mornings when Jerry and I would tell the rest of the crew, look, we're just going to go out one camera. We're just going to go shoot a little bit. You guys can sleep in a little bit because we might have a late night. And we always had this thought, oh, nothing's going to be happening. It's going to be a slow day. And it was never a slow day. And there was always so much that the Collins were reporting on in this town of 10,000 people. It really challenged our notions of local news. And we have this tendency to think, I think so many of us, that there isn't so much local news, but that's because we're not reading it so much. We're not exposed to it. And I guess it just we really wanted to show the vitality that exists in so many communities. The Collins are a family who's who are committed to reporting on that. And, you know, we just wanted to just wake people up a little bit, but make it fun, I will say too. And I will add that our pitch in the early days, what's this film is The Office meets Spotlight. (laughs) Well, there you go. Actually, I thought of Spotlight a bit. So, well, let me tell you, Beth, you accomplished everything you set out to do. So congratulations. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks so much for being here, Beth. We'll talk around the corner. So great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Really grateful. Love being here. And you're amazing. Mm -hmm.